I'll, I'll do the one man band. Oh, never oh, mind. One-man bands are great. <laughs> this is Flobo Sound on Netflix. Once again, it's me, Flobo. We're sitting here talking about stuff inside the Netflix vault. Original series and things are on the platform, even though things can shift. I am having the time of my life. And I, before we get to today's show, I just want to say from the bottom of my heart, thank you so much for supporting the show by being a member of the, of the Boisterous crew at patreon.com slash Boys. Get access to this show at least two weeks early. But I'm not alone. Uh, for this adventure, I'm being joined by, yes, I did say this last time, and I do mean it this time, film scholar, Ralph Eichelhoff. How are you doing, sir? Who? <laughs> I'm good. How are you doing, buddy? Man, you know, I, I'm all right. It's it's crazy. It's it's the first holiday season post-2020 thing, and it's part of me that's, like, cool with it, because I can sit down and be one with all my sad Christmas music. But on the other side, I still want to see your family in the flesh, so I'm kind of adjusting to that. What about yourself? Uh, I'm hanging in there. Uh, my family and I, we do Christmas and Thanksgiving together. So I actually braved the whole uh, airports and everything. And I, I went to New York. And, uh, you know, uh, within 10 days, I've had three COVID tests. My nose uh, is getting pretty pretty used to it now. But, yeah. you know, it, it is a little bit different. I was, for people in San Diego, I was at Balboa Park. And it just, it's just not the same because there's no December nights this year. But all things considered, it could be a lot worse. So I'm, I'm very, you know, to make it to be cheesy, I'm grateful for the blessings that have been bestowed upon me in this harsh time. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that you uh, had some, I guess, good fortunes or I guess part for the course fortunes, you know, giving what the alternatives are. But you did mention family and we have ourselves a family drama that twists and turns among generations. This one, The Devil All the Time, which I, I can't say I've seen it too much of, but I remember reading a couple months back that, hey man, Robert Pattinson in this movie, and he's crazy. Uh, you, you slept in this movie, actually. I wouldn't have even checked it out if you hadn't let me know about it. Let's walk me through the reasoning about that. Like, What about this film stuck out to you uh, when you suggested it? Well, honestly, uh, it just came down to... I sometimes associate actors with roles that they play. And even when I'm like talking through the plot summary and stuff, I refer to, you know, and this one has a whole shebang of them. So it's like, I'm like, you know, Pennywise was father to Spider-Man and there was Sheriff Winter Soldier and John yeah. Connor was there and, and, and Reverend Preacher Twilight Guy. So what, what was it? What was appealing to me was um, Bill Skarsgård and uh, Tom Holland uh, as we, famous roles that they played are Pennywise and Spider-Man. And honestly, it just came down to hmm, another movie with them. I really haven't seen anything else. And then I checked out the trailer and that was enough. Oh, oh yeah. You know what? It's funny that, that I mentioned this to us on, on text before the show. I said, I, I guess I'm the worst at that. I'm like the worst at saying, oh, it's that guy from that thing. I'm usually, he kind of looks familiar. And I can tell you what, maybe a testament to his skill. Like Sebastian Stan, I saw no traces of Winter Soldier. I guess maybe just me. Maybe I'm just easily impressed. Yeah, but it, the performances here are pretty top notch, up top to bottom. I thought. What about you? Yeah, I agree. I agree. I think that um, someone like Robert Patterson, he really does have the stigma of um, Edward or whoever he played in Twilight. Uh, but I'm willing to give him a. Ch I was willing to give him a chance. He he played a scumbag, but he played him well. And I mean, since he is going to be playing my beloved Batman, I want him to do well in that. So I'm, I'm hoping that he has more range than than the Twilight stuff. So it, it, 
it's just one of those things that you really want the best performances out of everybody. And we also get a little Harry Potter with a uh, Roy played by Harry Melling, uh, who was Dudley in the uh, the Harry Potter series. A lot of a lot of a lot of names and a lot of big movies in this one. Yeah, and that's a testament to Netflix's skill of pulling in the heavyweights. So this one here is based on the book of the same name by Donald Ray Pollock, okay. who is the narrator of this piece, which threw me mm. off. I thought it was Sam Elliott for the first 20 minutes. I thought it was him. <laughs> Uh, and, but I, I was little, and I guess it's my first like hang up, I guess, uh, of the film, and, and of which I, I want to say that this is kind of my even review. I'm not here to bash it, I'm not here to praise it. It's um, mm-hmm. there are many, many different movies or adaptations of novels, but this one felt like it was a visual novel. The way the chapters were laid out, the way the structure of it all, how mm-hmm. the characters interact, be on ice for 20, 30 minutes at a time. Just walk me through like the overall structure. As someone who writes, who's written uh, as a film scholar, like how does that like work for you when you're seeing an audience? How did the the film structure work out for me? I thought it worked out pretty well. Um, you know, you it is very chapter based, where you fo- it focuses on Willard first and Arvin as a child, and then it moves to Arvin. And I literally was texting you the question. I'm trying to see how uh, Bodeker and um, and Sandy and uh, Jason Clark, uh, who played Carl, I see him as John yeah. Connor in, in Terminator. Um, I'm uh, like I knew that. Yeah, I, I knew that it would tie together, but I was wondering how. But the thing with the narrator, like, I mean, I want to be positive. I don't want to be negative. But some, there were points where I felt the narrator was there almost as, like, they knew that they had to fill in the gaps somehow, with whether it was emotional or uh, background or something like that. So sometimes I feel like narrators aren't, necess- aren't necessary. So I guess I was wondering, did the narrator, was that an afterthought to try to tie everything together? But with your perception of it's a visual novel, it's like, okay, well, that makes sense. Or maybe there's some backroom deal like, look, man, for us to adapt my book, please put me in the movie. All right, you can read it. <laughs> Sweet. Yeah. I'm totally, I'm totally doing hearsay here. Conjecture, if you will. No, I, I think yeah. you're right. I was on I was on board. Uh, of course, the Willard, uh, his story ends, I want to say, at 25 minutes. At least it feels that long. So there is a yeah. kind of like a jarring effect going, oh, wait, it's a shifting narrative. Like, I, once you see Willard seeing the crucified Marine, I thought it was going to be his story, coming back from the war and dealing with his family yeah. In, yeah. in this town that is so desolate, but they're a community in Knockhamstiff. Or wait, was he on the other side? Or was he, he was Knock, I think he was on Knockhamstiff's side. So it was kind of like this whole thing, but then when it shifts to Arvin, and can I say Tom Holland did not see a shred of Spider-Man? This kid's got range, man. Uh, <laughs> it went over to him. I was like, oh, this is a whole day, a whole new interpretation of a movie. Yeah, I thought Tom Holland was great. Um, I like, like thinking back on it, it wasn't so much was I wondering was there Spider Man in it, but was there how I can't really remember it was like how his southern accent was compared to say his um natural British accent, but he did well. Like I wasn't really um I wasn't really cognizant of that. I thought that Tom Holland, I mean, that guy's got a, a great career ahead of him. Sure. I, I thought it was pretty interesting too. Was talking about Southern accents. Of, of also having Rod Patterson have a different interpretation. I mean, he's he's written as being from Tennessee, so there's going to be some regional differences. But I did feel like Tom Holland's character did feel like acting as much to me. So the question I have for you though, 
Um, when someone like myself, a lay person, you know, I went to film school, I'm kind of like, ah, I love big movies that explode. Uh, when I say someone has a great performance, is that kind of handcuffing like the craft? Like, if I can sit there and say, hey, look, this was a great performance, you did great, am I taking myself out of the movie to say that? Or is it kind of like some sort of like artistic thing actors are going for when they're performing, in your opinion? I would I would hope that that's what they're going for because it, it kind of goes along the lines of, yeah, my, my first knee-jerk reaction is to associate a lot of these people with their previous roles. And that's just a knee-jerk reaction. Plus, but it's also a fandom thing because I love the Marvel Universe and the It franchise, Harry Potter, Terminator, blah, blah, blah. But when I say a great performance, it... I feel like they removed themselves from that role. Like Bill's uh, Skarsgård, I didn't see any semblance of Pennywise in him. And kind of like you're saying with Sebastian Stan, I didn't see anything Winter Soldierist. And quite frankly, I mean, I cheated. I, I looked at IMDb beforehand. I might not have known that that was him. So considering that all these people uh, pulled themselves away and I didn't see them and that that, you know, I feel that a great performance means that they were able to make the character believable. Right. But this, this stepping away from the, the actors and the players in this one, you know, this is a, a very particular niche uh, in this genre. Because, again, before we went live, I was you were asking me whether or not I would recommend the film. I think this is like the big question we have to ask ourselves. Because on one hand, I really did like the idea of the story and, and having this, this, these small towns or earnest workers or even uh, really religious, maybe to a fault, uh, trying to make uh, make do with what they had. And it's a kind of intergenerational family piece that I would instantly recommend. I was like, you gotta watch this movie. But life and, and death and the, the nature of murder in this case is done so oftenly and so handedly, I would feel kind of a bit of like hesitation recommending say an older family member who may be into family dramas and because it takes place in this kind of like this this offbeaten town, I'm not sure the younger fans would be into. So I enjoy this film, but I don't know who you think it's for. Like what is the intended audience of this one? That is a good. That is a good question, uh, especially to your point with the religious corruption, the um, unfortunate, like the misogyny all over the place in, in this movie. And you know, unfortunately, a lot of the knee-jerk reaction is to say, "Well, that was the times," but that it, it doesn't make it acceptable. And I think that. Um, religious zealots are uh, often being called out in the in the world of film. You have movies like uh, like Spotlight, um, and then this one where it was just these uh, religious men were just abysmal with uh, how they treated how they treated women, how they treated people in their parish, and plus you had people that basically felt like they could make deals with God. Um, you have the unfortunate uh, with Willard offering the sacrifice of poor Arvin's dog um, to help save his wife. And then you had uh, Roy, who thought that he could kill his wife and then resurrect her. It, it's just messed up all over the place. Yeah. yeah. It, it is interesting that there is that through line of religion and what, what people think 
I do mean like you know their perception of what God can and can't do, and we've done nefarious things. Not to say that religion is defending that, but rather that in your interpretation, sometimes you may act out thinking you are acting on behalf of God, and of course you have your own consequences. And that's something that it it opens up a conversation. I, I can see how someone may be offended of the way that's portrayed, especially in this country where uh, we do, we do tend to to see that there's a division between secular entertainment and faith based entertainment entertainment if need be yeah. but uh, i mean ultimately the villains the bad people do get their comeuppance unless you consider arvin a bad guy so question for you is arvin a bad guy <laughs> that's a, that that's a hard one um because you know i mean since we're pretty much spoiler alerting this this whole conversation it like at the end when the one sheriff is calling the other sheriff and he basically is reporting him for murder but then he pretty much justifies one one of the murders that he does so it just goes to show you the shades of gray that every everyone had in this um with uh their their, their actions i mean you you kind of look at like willard's first scene was he found a, a soldier that had been crucified and he ends his life was it uh did he murder him or did he did he uh remove release him from the pain and you know you had you had lenora um who the, the narrator made a point to say that she didn't actually kill herself. It was an accident and she was good with her place at the Lord when she passed. But then she had the stigma that she killed herself, which was seen as, you know, like a huge uh, bad thing amongst the town people. So I, it's hard to say if he was a good or bad person, because everyone in this movie, I can't think of really any character uh, that didn't have some shades of gray, shades of gray in them. Well, maybe maybe Charlotte, uh, uh, Willard's wife. Right, right, of course. She was, she was trying to be the doting mom as much as she could, and she found mm -hmm. her ultimate demise. And, uh, I was debating that, too. I felt like you want to root for Armin, so I guess he's our protagonist, and he does some yeah. really bad things, but you know, he's definitely motivated by the environment around him. So that's yeah, with that. Uh, it, it's... It's almost kind of funny because um, I had the subtitles on, and because the the other sheriff that was calling Bodiger to report him, it sounded like Arvin to me. So I'm like, is Arvin turning himself in? He, like, like there and there were little bits where he's like, well, the preacher kind of deserved it, and he even made a point to say, you know, nice kid, good looking. It's kind of like, is Arvin right. like kind of pumping himself up? But that's where <laughs> that's where subtitles kind of save you from being an idiot sometimes. Because what I heard, it's like, wait a minute, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's a whole other movie. <laughs> yeah, like he sure is nice, it's like living. <laughs> <laughs> but then he looks he looks surprised and i'm like well, why is he surprised he called himself oh yeah it was a sheriff yeah. did you have a particular scene that stood out for you as like you know being like a exemplary example of awesomeness well I, awesomeness isn't isn't the word that i would use um i to phone it in a little bit, I kind of liked the the ending scene when Arvin was in the car with the uh, with when he when he hitchhiked, um, and how it's like I was just kind of amazed that he went through all of this stuff, but he was just able to fall asleep to put it all to put it all behind him, and like I kind of thought it was interesting. I kind of thought was well, the hitchhiker going to do something to him now to give us that that shock ending, or is it is it just going to end? Because 
they they wrapped everything you know in in a nice little in a nice little bow and the narrator's giving it away but i'm just wondering it kind of gets the gives the question how do you sleep at night it's like how did arvin just sleep knowing after everything he did yeah, let me ask you. I, I was going to answer my first question before I do that. I want your opinion sure. about the ending. Uh, I liked it. I think it was great, but it did seem the the showdown between Arvin and the sheriff wasn't necessarily necessary. But I, I mean, I'm glad I got it. It's great, but I feel like it wasn't necessary. Was it necessary in your opinion? I think it was just really about tying everything up in a bow um because for someone like me and i don't know how other audiences are the question is how is arvin connected with bodiger and um uh, uh tea garden and uh and sandy and it all wrapped together so they they kind of just had to like you know put that little bow on it that's just how i saw it ah fair enough uh the one thing i really liked is when uh personally is when Arvin went to go avenge Lenore and beat up the bullies one by one. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I, I don't know the sound. Pick like your this, spot. I, yeah, he picked your spot. And, and true yep. to form, the camera movements really mimicked a predator going after these bullies. It felt like a horror movie yeah. there. That was a nice, cool little like uh, diversion. Because traditionally, I'm not a big horror movie fan, but the camera work there was great. I was like, ah, oh, it's, it's just like a, the worst yeah. nightmare type deal. <laughs> Yeah, I, I can agree with you. Like, especially with the bus, where the guy like you hear the noise and then you just see him get get yanked off. It's it, yeah. you're right. I didn't really think about it like that. Sure, like Camp Crystal Lake. Like, hey, check out, check out the noise. Okay, Ugh. you know, you never you never check out you never check out the noise. <laughs> it's just a wind, man. Uh, so here it is, man. I gotta ask you the question. Uh, one, do all three questions. Do you like it? Do you recommend it? And what score would you give it? Yes, yes, and I'm teetering between a uh, like a like a seven point five and an eight uh, because there there's just something about uh, the tying everything together. Like I was wondering, did they give too much backstory to the non Arvin family stuff, or did they not give enough to make it a really interwoven interwoven story? Because when I think back on it. Everything with uh, Bodiger and you know Tea Garden and and Sandy. I'm just wondering, was it enough or was it was it too little? But it felt unbalanced. And yes. I'm a huge I'm a huge fan of interwoven stories, and I'm okay with longer uh, run times, like movies like Shortcuts and Magnolia. So I think that this movie could have been that if they would have maybe fleshed out all things. I, I mean. I am. I am saying it, it should. It maybe could have had a longer runtime, but be a more effective story. I am like you in the same boat. I was. I was watching it, giving a seven point five. And I watched it at the time of this recording about three days ago, and so mm-hmm. I was to give it seven point five. But the more I thought about it, I'm about to bump it to eight. And the reason being is one, and 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 in this day and age where there's a lot of disposable entertainment, it still sticks with me, which says a lot. And and mm-hmm. two, it. To, to your credit, it could have been fleshed out. I guess I went the other way. Maybe a bit more cynical. But I figured there were some lot of plot threads and family stuff left open to do a TV series or a spin-off prequel, another time yeah. type jump kind of a thing. Um, what I what I did like about the movie, I did like the movie. Um, I hesitate recommending it to any particular person. This could be the one where I just love it, all flaws and all. Uh, but I think what ultimately pushes it over the line is the performances are really top-notch. Uh, the yeah. world is very believable. 
despite the fact of there's undercurrents, like you said, racism in the South, for example, is not really addressed in this. But it, for what it is, it's pretty realistic. It's a nice time period piece. You kind of felt enthralled into it. It takes a lot to build that world. And I love the, the knockoff Sam Elliott <laughs> and soothing yeah. narration. So I'm going to go with an eight with this one. Uh, uh, you say Sam Elliott, to me, it, it sounded a little bit like the, uh, the narrator in um, Sons of Anarchy. Oh yeah, I forgot about that guy. Yeah, but uh, for 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 a Christmas twist. That was actually the uh, one of the yuppie neighbor Todd in the movie National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. So oh, really? you know the whole the whole I don't know Margot. That is the voice of you know Sons of Anarchy. Wow, it's that proof you can't get typecast and it's out there. <laughs> Uh, yeah, you right now, as of this recording, you can check out Devil of Time on Netflix, of course, like most shows in this canon. It is an original an, um, original movie on that platform. Well, thank you so much, Ralph, for coming here and just asking all my crazy hey, questions. <laughs> I appreciate that. But if somebody uh, it, it was to, my pleasure. Oh, yeah, thank you so much. But if someone wanted to like learn the stuff you're doing, because you, at your channel on YouTube, you're doing these discussions all the time, and it's so awesome to check out your stuff, and i got to hit my own game up because I don't do like the cuts and stuff you do. But if I wanted, if I wanted to follow you, how would I do that? Um, I mean, you can look me, you can look up my name, Ralph Eichenlob, on YouTube. Um, I do a little thing called Just an Opinion. Um, haven't really put out too much content since uh, I was joined by some ham and egger and we reviewed the Fast and the Furious movies. Yeah, that it was so that. Yeah, it was. It was. So... I, I, I haven't done too much and you know, it's kind of like you and I were talking today. It's like we have more time to really put out content and it's like, but then we forget and we're just watching TV. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's usually how it is. Uh, I, uh, yeah. I can't wait to get on that show because that's, that should, that's going to be award-winning soon. And I want to be in the ground floor. <laughs> uh, this is oh, my, uh, Netflix. Uh, uh, I don't know where the, the award-winning's coming from. <laughs> I'll probably make one out of cardboard. Uh, <laughs> I was going to say, even though this is Football Star on Netflix, I want you back here. Unless you can sit here and talk more films uh, down the yeah. line. Uh, yeah, that does anytime. it for us, man. I want to stalk you on right. Twitter, too. How do I do that? On Twitter? Uh, yeah. I am, am uh, Mentis1 on Twitter, uh, but I'm a little bit more active on in, on Instagram because uh, my second favorite thing to do other than movies is uh, cooking. So I, I do a lot of cooking videos on there. Trying to take all the content ideas. Okay, well, I'll follow you on Rob Lock and Lock on Twitter, man. I appreciate it.